Let me, let me just talk to you just for a few minutes about what's going to happen after the, the service. Just listen to a, a few things that I, I want to share, and then we're going to look at love is a four-letter word. It's not the four-letter word you think, so get that out of your mind right now. Today, there's another potential flag in the ground, a marker in the history, uh, in the 41-year-old history of Faith Community Baptist Church. Daybreak Community Church. I, I want you to, to understand, I want to make sure that you understand that this is not about Pastor Matt or our Chairman Glenn or your church council. It's all about you. You see, I, I would love to say that the church is about the pastoral staff that you've enjoyed here over the many years, but it isn't. The, the key is always you. You are the constant. Pastors are always going to come and go, but you remain. You are the constant in the church. I can say this, Faith Community Baptist Church or Daybreak Community Church has always been a little bit ahead of the curve. You have been always a people that have seen something that no one else could see. Who else would have uh, bought land outside of a small bedroom community of Calgary and actually would have been way ahead of the homes that would surround it? Who else would have built a building, this building, in less than three and a half months? Who would have created programs like the Energy Urban Farm, Spins, or Good Food Box programs that specifically reach out to people outside of the doors of the church? Uh, Let me tell you a little story, and for some of you, this will be the first time that you hear it. For some of you, this will be uh, the many times that you hear it. In 1981, yes, I was born before 1981. Some of you are doing the math going... 1981 was that, I was born in 72, so just in case you're wondering. 1981, Faith Community Baptist Church plant, a church plant began. A pastor by the name of Harold Weiss, a church planter in 1981, partnered with a church called Grace Baptist Church in Calgary because they sensed something was Something was going to happen in Airdrie. In 1982, the land was purchased, 10 acres, just on the outside of Airdrie. In 1983, an exciting time in 1983, there was the baptism of four couples. And one of those four couples was an 80-year-old woman. 1984 saw the, the ministry of Faith Community Baptist Church actually have 40 family units be connected to the church. Some of you will remember meeting in a warehouse that was converted to function like a church. And there was always the hope in 1984 that in 1985 that we would actually build on the land that we purchased. 
1985, that year, there was also the, the move by the ABA to receive Faith Community Baptist Church as a member of the ABA. It wasn't an infant anymore. It wasn't a baby anymore. You actually had footing and you were a church. In 1986, the Faith Community Baptist Church building was built. And in that decision, the decision to build was actually unanimous. 100% went, it's the time to build. And the building was completed in three and a half months. In 1989, some of our friends, Pastor Lyle and Jeannie Beyer, were called to pastor. When they were called to pastor, the Airdrie population was about 11,000 people at that time in 1989. In 1995, a friend of mine, Pastor Scott Joy and Linda, came to pastor. In in that period of six years, Airdrie had went from 11,000 people to 16,000 people. In, In 2003, Scott had left and Tim Calloway, Pastor Tim, came to pastor. And Airdrie's population at that time was all of 23,000. In 2015, Faith Community Church, member ahead of the curve, decided that we were going to change our name to Daybreak Community Church to reflect a renewed commitment to the ongoing influence that they wanted, that you wanted to have in a growing community. In 2015, guess what Airdrie's population was? 58,000. 58,000. Good guess. And in 2022, we sit over 70,000 in Airdrie. 81,000. People are having babies this last month here in Airdrie. Just (laughs) kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Today, right after this service... I'm not going to be present for the meeting. You are going to make some large decisions that are going to affect the future of the church. I wish I could say there's a right decision or a wrong decision, but it isn't about that. See, when we make spiritual decisions as a a congregation, there's always four things that that we need to, to think through. The, the very first thing that we always think through when we make decisions as a congregation is our best decisions always reflect our values. They always reflect who we are. Here's some of the things that as I've gotten to know you that I believe are, are values, things under the water. I actually believe this, that, that we as a congregation want to discern over decide. We, we want to go to God in prayer and discern what God's saying. And if we look at the history, that's what God's all about, rather than just making a decision that we feel in our heart could be right or wrong. We, another value that, that I see is we want to follow Jesus rather than simply learn about Jesus. We actually want to be Jesus with skin on. Not just keep talking about Jesus. Another value that I've learned from you is we want to show mercy over judgment. 
Now, mercy over judgment doesn't mean that there's not right from wrong. It's not about that. Mercy is what Jesus operated, where Jesus looked out at a group of people and went, man, I have compassion over these people because they're, they're helpless, they're harassed. We also, another value that I see is we want deep community. There was a buzz in here this morning And that buzz is something that we want to take, not only for here, but we also want to take to the outside, to the community that's outside our building. And then the the final thing, and this is an exciting thing for me as as I wrestle with younger people uh, in some of the other things that I do, we always want diversity in leadership. It's not just the people who have been here since the start. It's not just the people who look like the same kind of people. We always want diversity in, in leadership. So our best decisions always reflect our values. The second thing whenever we make decisions as congregation is that our best decisions always come from an atmosphere of prayer. They're never made separate than prayer. If we're just making human decisions, this place will not last. We always want to make spiritual decisions and our spiritual decisions always come through an atmosphere of prayer. And then the, th- the third thing, our best decisions always take time. Our, all, our best decisions always take time. This has been a conversation in the making for many years. This wasn't a quick, let's just whip up some PowerPoint and let's make a decision. And then the last one is our best decisions always involve or seek wisdom from others. So today, when we break bread together and eat a meal together, you're going to hopefully approve an amended budget that includes money for renovations, it includes money for pastoral staff, it includes money for some internal systems that we need to evaluate just because we feel like we need outside help to make the right decisions. The, the good thing is we're in a cash-positive position because of you. You have stepped up, believing that God still has a purpose for daybreak, and so you have given in ways that have enabled us to be in a better position than we were in a year ago. You need to be incredibly proud of that. Today, hopefully, you're going to approve the networking relationship with Renfrew. In that, you're going to approve a lead pastor who is going to look over your church here as well as other churches. You're going to approve a network site pastor who will live in Airdrie, who will breathe the air in Airdrie, who will care and develop the ministry right here in Airdrie. He will be your guy to help lead us into the God-given dream that God has for daybreak. Now, with the network, we understand that we are better off together than we are separate. We want to steward God's resources incredibly well. We want to share out of our abundance rather than our lack. We also believe that working together models to both churches and potentially more churches, that God's economy is one where everyone brings what they have to the table and turns it into something not for our glory, but for God's glory. So I'll not be here for this meeting. 
I want to honor you by allowing you to decide together what God is calling you as a church to. You are my friends. And no matter what the decision is, these last six months getting to know you has been a gift. I am praying for you. Greater days are ahead for you. Let me pray and then we're going to transition into my sermon. God, thanks for the history here at Daybreak. What a great gift. It's not a a history that is tainted with all kinds of bad stories. Yes, there's stories that we'd rather not deal with or we'd rather not have as part of our history, but really our history is marked by our passion to see people fall in love with you, be baptized, and be sent out from here. That has never changed. And so as we walk through the next few minutes of a decision following this church service, we pray that we, you would give us the eyes to see the things that you see. The heart to break for the things that break your heart. And God, may we always honor you in everything that we say and do. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's where we're headed, okay? For the next four weeks, here's where we're headed, okay? Right before we get into the, the, the thrill of the summer, which is really short here always. So today we're going to talk about love is a four-letter word, and we're going to talk about love, how do we actually wrestle through it from a longevity standpoint? I think sometimes our love is like a firework. It looks good for two seconds, and then suddenly we have to pick up all the paper that's left after the firework, okay? So we're going to talk about longevity. Then we're going to talk about openness. What does it actually mean to have love that's open? Sometimes our love is really closed. If it, they look like us and act like us, then it's going to be open. <laughs> but once it's outside of that paradigm, then it becomes hard. Love is our job, our vocation. Like when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus instantly we're called to love. And so that love has to be the landmark, the hallmark for what we do here. And then that fourth one, love is a way for evangelism. It's evangelistic. Well, let me tell you a little story, okay? So when electricity became available in certain remote rural areas, one woman went to great trouble and expense She spent the money to have electricity installed in her home. A few months after the wiring was installed, the power was turned on. The power company noticed that the home didn't use very much power. Fearing that there was a problem with the installation, they sent a meter reader to check on the meter. The meter reader saw that the power was indeed working properly and asked the woman, do you use your electricity? The the woman replied, of course we do. We turn it on every night to see just enough to light our lamps and then we turn it off quickly. Kind of crazy. Having all the power that we need and the ability to tap into it all the time, but only using just enough to get by. No one we know would do that. 
We can't hardly stand it when the power is off. However, some people do just what the woman when, what the woman did week in and week out with the power in the presence of God. Most people will go out of their way to show up to church, but have little relationship with God throughout the week. Why is it our human nature, why is it Matt's nature to go through the difficulties that I face day to day and only when I come to the end of my rope, only when there's no hope, then I ask God for help. We have God's help and His power at our disposal all the time, but we attempt to do it on our own strength. At times, some people are a lot more like the woman who wouldn't use her electricity more than just occasionally than we'd like to admit. If you have your Bibles, I I want you to turn to Exodus 33. We're going to have a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to walk through this. You'll see many of them on the screen. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me. This is... Moses talking to the creator of the world. You have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. God, you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Look at how the, how God responds. My presence, Moses, my presence will, will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said back to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us there. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on this face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I'll do the very thing you asked because I am pleased with you. And I know your name. Then Moses said, now God, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness, everything to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the name of the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You see, we are in and we walk in the favor of God. You and I are set apart from the world. We have an advantage over the rest of the world. Some of our friends might say that this is an unfair advantage. It's really not. God is not a respecter of what happens here in the world. God wants us to walk according to what He has in store for us. You and I should feel privileged that we have been called by God. I love that little segment of the verse that says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim my name. I'll be gracious to you. See, God created you and me to have an intimate personal relationship with Him. Every day, every hour, every minute. We see that early in Scripture. God walked with, with Adam and Eve in the garden. They were able to completely enjoy His divine presence. 
God's desire for you in life is the same thing. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. That's why Jesus calls us into this ministry of of reconciliation. You see, Moses speaks with God there in Exodus, and he simply reminds God of his promises, things that God had declared before. God, you said this. It appears that it's okay. I probably wouldn't do it. Why did Moses do that? Well, let me tell you, it's not like God forgot his promises that he made. What Moses was doing here was he really, really, really wanted to know this God that he had a partnership with. God had removed his presence from the Israelite people and Moses was feeling the lack. See, there was no longer a sense of God's presence within the nation of Israel. It was a sad time in the history of Israel. They had stopped seeking. They had stopped depending on God like they had in the past. And they started to go, well, I've got a better idea. You know what we need? We actually need a better king. Oh, you know what we need? We actually need to worship an idol. That's why God said, when you seek me, you'll actually find me. How many people do we know go through the same thing? We're just going through the motions. We're not seeking God. We're just suddenly seeking the answers that we find. It's like we're settling. This isn't love. Some of you might remember the song. It had a line in in a song that went like this that we used to sing in church. God's mercies are completely new every morning. See, if I put water in a bucket outside, and if I don't stir it, it becomes stagnant. The, the truth is, a lot of us as Christ followers need to be stirred up. We can't just settle for a cup of water anymore when we have access to the well that never runs dry. See, God is constantly doing new things. He wants to create new things in and through us. One of the biggest problems in the church today is I want all the benefits. I just don't want the intimate relationship with God. So what do we do about that? What kind of relationship does it actually mean to have the God who wants to bless us actually fulfill that promise? If you, you want to be a friend of God, if you want to be a partner or as God calls us, an heir, we have to develop an intimate relationship with God and it takes time. Well, let me, let me walk you through a few things that God said to Moses. These are cool things that God said to Moses and they'll be on your screen. Here's what, what Moses said to God. Okay, So here's what Moses said to God. Teach me your ways. Maybe that needs to be the prayer for us as we leave here today. God, teach me your ways. Moses wants to know God's ways so that Moses can actually follow. See, when we become Christ followers, when we become Christians, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but that passion has to drive us to know everything we can about the Creator of the world. And then Moses said something interesting. So he said, teach me your ways. And then he flipped it and he went, God, let me know you. 
God, let me know you. See, there's a way of knowing all kinds of things about God, and then there's a way of knowing God intimately. There's a huge difference. To actually know God, we cannot say that we want to know God if we don't know His Word, the Bible. Every answer that you need in life is found in God's Word, God's love journal to us. And then Moses said the third thing that was very interesting, and it kind of comes out of left field for us. God, let me live in your favor. See, friends, once we know God's ways, once we know God personally, then I believe the favor of God can and rest in our lives. See, Psalm 23, we learned that early on in our journey as Christ followers. Psalm 23, it says God's goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2 says this, If I fully obey the Lord my God and carefully follow all His commands that God gives me, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Friends, it's impossible for us to have the favor of God in our life if we don't know who God is. When we live to know God's way and to know God more, God pours out His favor on us and blessing. Now that doesn't mean that my 2013 Dodge journey turns into a 2022 Ford Escape that is a hybrid. No. It doesn't mean if I buy a lottery ticket that suddenly I'll be the $70 million winner. No. What that means is God starts to orchestrate our steps. God's favor rests on us. All right, if God's not present in our lives, we're not pleasing him. So how do we start to live this life of actually believing that we can say we love God? See, the greatest way that we can say we love God is actually obeying God. And for me, that's a hard thing because the easy thing for me to do is just to talk about God. But really, the rubber hits the road when God looks at me and goes, Matt, will you obey me? Will you obey what I'm calling you to do? So how do we do that? Let me give you four things or five things. The very first one, we love God by loving him. Well, that great, Matt. You went to school for that. We love God by loving him. Here's what it says in Matthew 22. And it's the, it's the Jesus creed. See, the Shema was in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The men would take it off their, their foreheads every day and read it. It'd be quite a sound that would emanate through all the land. And Jesus comes on the scene and goes like this in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything. All the law. All what the prophet said, hang on these two commandments. Our first priority always is to love God with everything inside of us. God desires to be first place. The two commands are like pegs that you would hang a coat on. Everything. We could translate it whatever way we want. It still means everything. 
Everything in God's law and God's prophets hang on these things. The second thing, we love God always by believing in him. I love this from Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he wouldn't have to experience death. He could not be found because Jesus, God took him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. Commanded, sorry, as one who pleased God. And without faith, this little verse, it is impossible. You can't do it to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is no way for you and I to ever be able to please God if we do not believe in him and what he can do for us. We place our faith in God when we trust him completely, even when life doesn't make sense. When life doesn't make sense, that's when we trust God. It happens when we set up our tent, when we camp, take your trailer, I don't care, in God's campground. To stay no matter what happens. And then what does God tell us? That peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, that campground is a great campground. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus was looking at a weary group of disciples and he said, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, all you who are, who are spent, who are tired, and I will give you rest. The third thing, we love God by obeying him. Look at this verse from John 15, verse 11. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is simply this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than than this, to lay down his life for one of his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I don't call you servants. I don't call you workers because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus told his disciples that they became friends with God when they did the things that he asked them to do. Man, I would like to be called a friend of God. And if I was called a friend of God, wouldn't I be doing the things that God calls me to do? We, we love God by praising Him. Psalm 150, the end of, of David's great song book, his hymn book. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. God deserves every praise for everything that he has done in our life. Even the smallest thing from God is more than we could ever do by ourselves. Remember the song, count your blessings, name them one by one, to see what God has done. And then finally, friends, we love God by serving him. God wants you to live out your life by serving him. There's many things that we can get involved with here at the church. But true service happens every single day. It happens in every area of your life, serving God and doing everything unto God. I want to challenge you with something as we walk into the summer. Make sure that you give God your best, not your leftovers. 
Matthew 25, verse 37 says this, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? We missed you. Where were you you when you were thirsty? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or see that we needed, you needed clothes and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Jesus said the greatest commandment was this, love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, And then the other, love others as yourself. I love what Exodus 33 verse 17 says. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Friends, that's the kind of relationship we want to have. That's the kind of relationship we actually want to have here at Daybreak. So that you could say with confidence, I'm a friend of God. Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Dan Dean, a friend of mine, wrote these words. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true, God, that you're thinking of me? God, how you love me, it's amazing. I am a friend of God. God calls me his friend. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, please take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. It is humbling to think that you actually call us your friend. Thank you for giving us more than what we could ever ask or imagine. Thank you for putting things into motion where we get to contribute to what your kingdom is already about here on earth. May daybreak be a place where we stand for justice, where we stand for dignity, and where we stand for the love of God. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.